Hello and welcome to the Novel Analyst Podcast. My name is Jed Hearn, author of the fantasy books Across the Broken Stars and Fires of the Dead, and today's episode is a very special uh, audio version of a recent live stream Q&A session I did on the Grimdark Fiction Readers and Writers Facebook group, which has over 7,000 members, I think, or around about that number, and many of those were kind enough to tune in to my discussion about my books, uh, my writing, my favorite books, and all other things story, and they asked me some really interesting questions. I think there were about eight or so of them. So this episode is going to be the audio version of that live stream. It goes for about 25 minutes, and there's some really interesting questions in here that I haven't talked about before on this podcast, um, such as, what do I find more rewarding, writing and finishing a novella or a large novel? Uh, how I deal with writer's book, who is my favorite character that I've created, and many more questions, which I will be sharing in this episode. So I hope you enjoy, and if you have any other questions about my writing that you would like me to answer, I always love hearing listener responses um, and thoughts and criticism and all that good stuff. Got a nice tweet this week from someone else who is a writer living in Perth, Western Australia, saying he liked the podcast, so that was really fantastic. So if you have any questions that you would like me to answer on this show or to just respond to you directly, you can email me at jed at jedhern.com. That's J-E-D at J-E-D-H-E-R-N-E dot com. And now, on with the show. All right, so what I'm, my name is Jed Hearn. Uh, I'm an author. Excellent, it's working. Rob says it is working. Thanks, Rob. Thanks so much for your patience. We spent like 20 minutes trying to get this working. So this is a relief to finally have it up. Um... My name is Jed Hearn, I'm a fantasy author, my books include Across the Broken Stars and Fires of the Dead, and first of all, big thank you to Rob and the Grimdark Fantasy Fiction Readers and Writers group for having me on the live stream today. Um, what I'd love to do today is just answer some of your questions about my books, about writing in general, about other books, I love talking about books, you may have noticed, um, and I will also be talking a little bit about my, my own work, and um, if we don't have any questions, I also have something prepared for that too, in which case I will talk about some of the best writing advice I've learned over the years, and also the things that I appreciate seeing the most in other books. Um, so feel free to put some questions that you have for me in the comments, and I will answer those. Uh, this stream will go for probably about 20 to 30 minutes, depending on how many questions there are and everything. Um, and yeah, so just for people who are joining us, my name is Jed Hearn, I'm a fantasy author, I am also a reviewer for BookNest, I've just become a reviewer of them recently, and I also host the Novel Analyst podcast, which has interviewed authors like Rob Hayes, um, aka Michael Fletcher, aka Dirk Ashton, aka everyone because we all know he's a clone, um, and I can post a link to that after this is done as well, but that's just called the Novel Analyst podcast. So first question from Rob, excellent. Who inspired me to start writing? I think probably the biggest source of inspiration is actually right behind me on this bookshelf. Uh, you might not be able to see it. These books here, um, the Harry Potter series. As I was growing up, the Harry Potter series was sort of just coming to its end and I was massively obsessed with it. I think I first started reading it when I was seven and I recall vividly reading the final book when I was nine out in the living room on a lounge we still have, um, and that was The Deathly Hallows. And 
Harry Potter just inspired me so much because it had such a depth of world to it. The plotting was amazing, but really at the time I didn't, I wasn't conscious of any of those factors. It was more just the emotions it created and this sense of exploration and catharsis and friendship and love. And it was just such a complete storytelling experience. And I'm sure that many of you who've read Harry Potter have felt that. So that was sort of a big reason why I wanted to start writing. I didn't always want to be a writer. When I was in uh, year three, so when I was nine years old, I wanted to be an architect. And I actually went to university to study architecture, but it was only last year that I decided to put architecture on hold to focus on writing. Um, but in terms of my initial writing inspirations and how that started, I, my, I started my first book when I was 15, and it was very much like a Harry Potter clone. Uh, it was a story called The Aeon Academy, about this young kid who goes to a school for superheroes and it was basically Harry Potter meets superheroes and it was sort of a cool concept and I really should reread it sometime um, but it was quite derivative and I wrote that for probably about four years or so just continually rewriting the same draft thinking that, that was going to be my thing and getting better each time but eventually I realized that it wasn't ever going to be massively good because it sort of had that very derivative premise that was at its foundation. So then I went on to writing something else and that was the best decision I've ever made in my writing. The difference in skill between writing the first book and writing the second book I've ever written was huge. It's like this massive leap um, because you can just start over fresh, you have all these new skills and everything and that book was Across the Broken Stars. So yeah, I would say initial writing inspirations, definitely J.K. Rowling. Um, also, weirdly, the Avengers films. I think that when I saw... Yeah, when I saw the first Avengers movie, um, that was back in 2012, sounds like a long time ago now, uh, I was sort of at that perfect age to just be awed by all of the storytelling things that were going on there. It was just this great kind of culmination um, of, yeah, all these different characters' stories in a way that made me want to be, like... I want to do that with my writing. I want that to be something that I could aim at. I want to have these cheers in the audience. I, that's how I want people to feel when they're experiencing my work. So those are probably the two biggest inspirations, I would say. More questions, hit me up. Um, so yeah, feel free to pop some questions in the comments below. Excellent, we have another question. What was your path to publication leading up to the release of your new book? So I am an indie author, I'm self-publishing. I will admit that I tried to do some traditional publishing stuff before, but I wasn't massively successful. So what I decided to do, instead of just publishing um, Across the Broken Stars straight away, which was the second book I wrote, I decided to test the waters a little bit by doing a shorter novella called Fires of the Dead. Because I figured, hmm, you've worked on Across the Broken Stars for a couple of years at this stage, and do you really want to waste it, quote-unquote, um, going down the indie publishing route if you are not confident with how you can do that. So I decided that before I decided to do, I decided that before I decided, a lot of repetition. Basically what I did is before committing to one route or the other, I wrote a short novella called Fires of the Dead. It's very short. Uh, it's 20,000 words. It's the kind of thing that you can burn through, pun intended, in an afternoon or an evening. And I decided that I would write this short novella as a proof of concept and then publish it, 
just basically learn everything that was, <laughs> this sounds kind of arrogant to say, learn everything that I thought there was about indie publishing and then decide from that whether it was a good idea to publish Across the Broken Stars and other things. So I wrote the novella in about a month or so, spent another month editing it, and altogether, by the time it had been published, it was like five months from initial idea to the final thing. And I was really happy with how Fires of the Dead went. Um, it got a decent reception. I think the reviews were nice and the sales were decent as well. I set a very specific sales goal by the end of the year, which in hindsight was sort of a dumb decision because I had absolutely no idea what to expect. Uh, and I got about 70% of the way towards that goal. So I was happy with how Fires of the Dead had been self-published. And I suppose I always liked the idea of being independently in control of my own thing because while, self, uh, while traditional publishing is amazing and it gives you great distribution and everything, I do think that in the long term, owning your own intellectual property will result in sort of more financial freedom and happiness in general. I mean, if you look at someone like Marvel, for instance, right now, they are kings because they own all of this intellectual property and they can profit off that as a result and also have freedom to combine it in interesting ways. If I published a uh, traditional novel and then I had another novel that was set in a different world but I wanted to kind of merge them together somehow, I probably would struggle to do that. But with self-publishing, you can do whatever. So basically, long story short, my path to publishing um, published Fires of the Dead as an initial proof of concept and then went to, uh, after I was happy with that, decided to publish Across the Broken Stars, which came out in February of 2020. So we have some more questions here. Uh, oops, sorry, my finger's over the camera there. Uh, Chris Jerome asks, what do you find more rewarding, writing and finishing a novella or a larger novel? Thanks, Chris. That's a really good question. I think it really depends for me. So Chris is, is talking here about Fires of the Dead versus Across the Broken Stars. Fires of the Dead, short novella, Across the Broken Stars, full-length novel. Um, that's a really interesting question. I think a novella is fun because you have this kind of short, intense experience and it just feels like you're able to get it out of you before some of the more painful aspects of writing begin. Because um, sometimes with longer projects, you can get bogged down when you're in the middle of them and it can feel a little bit difficult. So having said that though, there is something immensely satisfying and I think this speaks to all fantasy fans about holding something that is like quite physically heavy in your hand that you have written. Um, and Across the Broken Stars isn't isn't massively long. It's 80,000 words, about 350 pages or so. Um, but I think probably for me, it does feel more rewarding finishing a larger novel just because it is this bigger entity. And it is kind of mind boggling to think that like I've created something that I've seen people read over the course of of weeks, for instance, um, which is is kind of cool to think that, that readers are spending that much time in my world. Thanks for that question, Chris. That was a good writing question. Rob asks, you've got a writing advice YouTube channel. What's some solid advice you would give to new writers? So, first of all, all writing advice is contextual and it depends on what is useful for you. So discard the things that aren't useful, take the things that are. For me, the probably three biggest bits of writing advice that have helped me the most are, let's start with number one, contradiction equals complexity. 
So, somewhere on this bookshelf back here, I have a uh, story by Robert McKee. Let me grab it. This book here, which is a fantastic book on writing advice. Not sponsored or anything. It's just great. Just a great read. Um, and one of the things that Robert McKee says in this book is that to create complex characters who feel layered, three-dimensional, and realistic, what you really want to try to do is to create contradiction into them. So, if we have one character who, let's say they work at a factory, and they're really nice to everyone at their factory, and they get their work done, and then they come home, and they're really nice to their family, and they get their chores done, and they're just really nice in all situations of life. That's character A. Now let's contrast that to another character who's super, super friendly to everyone at the factory, just like character A, but then when they come home, they're an absolute douchebag to their family. So obviously they're not a nice person, but there is a contradiction there between how they react in different circumstances that makes you wonder, who is this person? What drives them? Why are they behaving in this different way? And this contradiction creates a sense of interest and complexity to their character. Now, this doesn't mean that you can just make up whatever you want the characters to do, and it doesn't mean that you can just have them randomly doing whatever. It needs to be consistent to their internal natures. But I think we can agree that the most interesting characters in fiction tend to have these elements of contradiction running through them. Even if you look at it on a very simple level, the Terminator is a contradiction between human flesh and cyborg machinery. And even his personality is sort of a contradiction between those. Darth Vader is the same sort of thing. It's this cyborg contradiction. So contradiction equals complexity. If you're trying to create interesting characters, consider adding layers of uh, contradiction to them. Then I actually wrote down some bits over here, actually. I think number two, ultimately your job as a writer is to make readers read the next word and then the next paragraph and then the next chapter and then the rest of your book. I think it's very easy to get confused with what the game is. But for me, it's very much a matter of like the most important thing in story. Well, not the most important thing, but one of the critical things that gets forgotten somehow is that suspense is so vital. You need to have a reason for readers to keep going through it because you need to be able to reward them for their time. And also that's how you force yourself to create a story where everything builds to a satisfying conclusion. Uh, and then probably the last bit of writing advice before I get on to the next question, which I see Chris has already put in, thanks Chris, um, is theme. Theme is often misconstrued as this kind of airy-fairy thing that you get taught in school that is really annoying because you have to write all of these boring essays on them. But theme, again, going back to Robert McKee's definition, um, I view it as the moral argument that your story is trying to make. So let's say that my theme is money is the root of all evil. Once I know that that's what my story is about, then I can create characters who explore the theme from different aspects, and this leads to conflict. So there's one character who thinks, yes, money is bad, we should all be poor. And then another character who's like, no, money's good, you can use it to help people and buy cool things. And then conflict occurs between them. So for me, theme is so useful because once I discover what the theme of my books are about, then I feel so liberated as a writer. Because now I have this fantastic kind of mission statement or filter that all of my ideas can pass through. So if I'm wondering how a side character should behave, I just think, well, what's my theme? Is my theme about redemption? Is my theme about greed? And I try to phrase the themes in terms of 
sentences and arguments rather than just single word subject matters like that. But the point being is once you know what your theme is about, it makes it so much easier to read, uh, sorry, so much easier to write. And I think for me, the most satisfying stories are those ones that explore themes in a compelling way without preaching to anyone, but rather presenting different sides of the argument and leaving readers to make up their own minds. Chris asks, who is your favorite character that you've created? Thanks, Chris. That's a, that's a really interesting question. I haven't been asked that one before. Um, so I do, I will constrain this to, well, I might, mm, it might be cheating to give two answers, but I'll constrain this to the two books I've written so far, Fires of the Dead and Across the Broken Stars, because um, I have actually written an additional three other books as well, and I am in the process of writing another one at the moment. Um, but those characters, I suppose, aren't formalized because the books haven't been published yet. So I will constrain it to Flies of the Dead and Cross the Broken Stars. I would have to say on gut reaction, Leon, who is the main character from Cross the Broken Stars, this man here in the hood with the sword, he is so different to me in a lot of ways. Leon is this mid-40s guy who in his childhood was what was called an angel, this guy with wings at this magical academy Basically, sort of like, imagine a medieval knight, but with wings, um, who trained at this, this really cool academy um, in a world set in this book where people live on discs floating in space and the angels fly between these discs using their wings. Um, that was 20 years before the book begins. Then, in his backstory, we have a war that basically wipes out the angels. Leon goes into hiding after the war. Um, and he tries to forget his past, essentially. And we meet him as he's this disgruntled middle-aged dock worker, just basically wasting his days loading cargo into airships and trying to forget things through drink at night. Um, and he is just so incredibly bitter and down with the world that it was just such a fun experience to write him because he is the polar opposite of me in so many ways because I'm a very optimistic person. Um, but it's so rewarding, I think, getting a character like that who just has so many flaws um, and has so many reasons to just not like them. And then over the course of the story, not to spoil anything, he kind of goes on a redemption quest to help this young fugitive find this mythical safe haven. Um, and through the course of that, he goes from being this reluctant, disgruntled hero to someone who is actually possibly maybe finding some form of redemption through what he is doing. So I would say Leon is probably my favorite character from this. He's definitely been, of the two published novels, he's definitely been the character that just, it was easy to find his voice. It was easy to figure out how he would react to things. Um, and it was just very like fun to write and everything. But my favorite character of all time is, that I've written um, is probably Kef Cutmark, which is from The Lightning Heist, the book I'm writing right now. Um, it is a heist story set in a world where people live on these massive floating cities made from thousands of ships all tied together, and Kef is just this kind of mercenary, roguish person, happy-go-lucky character who you think she is just sort of, uh, I suppose, this standard roguish type, but then she has a lot of deeper things as well, which I won't go into yet because the book is still under progress, so a lot of that could change. Rob asks, what do you do for fun there in Australia? Any interesting non-writing hobbies? So yes, I'm Australian, as you can tell by my accent. Um, lots of kangaroo riding is the main hobby over here. Lots of veggie mite eating, um, throwing the boomerang down the park. 
<laughs> no, in a more serious note, um, more serious, not serious at all. My hobbies aren't serious. Outside of riding, I uh, love bouldering, which is indoor rock climbing. Um, we have just had our gyms started to to come back on board uh, after. <laughs> Rob says, "Lol, thank you." Yes, I got to support the Australian stereotypes. That's my that's my job as representative of of my country. Um, I'm a big fan of bouldering, which is indoor rock climbing without ropes, and we've just had our climbing gyms open back up after all of the COVID restrictions, of course. So I find that really satisfying. Um, it's surprisingly been quite useful for my books because there's a lot of scenes, particularly in, in fantasy books about rogues, where, you know, people are climbing and I'm sort of an expert at that now, which is weird. I would have never expected that to be a thing. So I suppose that adds an extra layer of realism to my writing in that regard. Uh, I also love indoor soccer as well, although that has been sadly closed because of COVID recently. Um, and yeah, just, I love reading as well. As you can tell, I have, this is only like one third of my bookshelves in this house. So I'm a big reading fan. Uh, and I also run a podcast called The Novel Analyst Show, where I interview other authors, offer writing advice and deconstruct some of my favorite books to kind of pull out writing lessons for myself and for other people. Michael asks, how do you deal with writer's block? I deal with writer's block by not really accepting that it exists, <laughs> which is maybe a, a slightly weird answer. But if you think about a lot of professions, like let's pick, um, let's pick bricklaying, right? So there is not really such a thing as bricklayer's block. You get out there and you put the bricks down and it maybe can be really hard sometimes. And if you have an injury, it's going to be difficult, but you know what to do. And it's just a matter of consistently putting down the bricks. As much as possible, that's, try, that's how I try to think about writing. Um, I accept that writing is sort of this, it is fundamentally a very mysterious and um, ephemeral thing that no one really understands. But for me, as much of my process as possible is about trying to take out that mysticism to it and just trying to treat it like a job, like bricklaying, where it's just a matter of putting the words down one after the other until the book is done. That does not mean that it is always easy. It can be super difficult, but I think for me, it's liberating to not think about in terms of writer's block, even though it is a totally fair question, Michael, and I appreciate you asking it. But for me, it's more liberating to just not think about that. Um, because I think if you think about it, it sort of gives it power in the same way that if you say Voldemort, it gives him some power and he, he can know where you are. Um, so yeah, I think it's just a matter of not treating it as this massively special thing, thinking about it just in terms of this not mundane because it's it's the most exciting thing that I that I do, um, but just treating it as much as possible with this kind of workmanlike attitude of you're just putting the bricks down, you're just putting the words down. Um, it's not always going to be easy, and you're not always going to be able to write fast, and you're not always going to be able to write good either. But you should, in my experience, always be able to get something down on the page, and even if it's horrible now, you can always fix it later. Um, I think the Neil Gaiman quote sums it up perfectly. He said, uh, what was it? I've got it over here. Anything you can do, anything you do can be fixed. What can't be fixed is a blank page. So that's my attitude towards writer's block. That's a, that's a really good question. Do we have any other questions coming through? Got a couple more people on the stream now, which is cool. This is a really fun thing to do, by the way. Uh, I've never done a Facebook live stream before. So thanks again for having me on, um, Grimdark fantasy fiction readers and writers. Any questions you have about myself or 
my books, pop them in the comments below. Uh, otherwise, I will get into talking a little bit more about Across the Broken Stars, um, but more than happy to answer any more questions. So if you have those, feel free to type them there. I will get into talking a little bit about Across the Broken Stars now, but you're more than welcome to pop any questions you have below. Uh, I've also got links to my website, which has all my books and stuff on that in the comments for this, I think. So Across the Broken Stars, as I've talked about a little bit, is a space fantasy novel. It's about Leon, who, I'll read from the back, was once an angel, a winged warrior sworn to protect Pyre, a realm where people live on discs that float in space. He failed. Now, Leon's a broken man, trying to forget the past. He thinks he's the last angel, but then a young fugitive stumbles onto Leon's doorstep. She's an angel too, and she has a riddle leading to a place where angels still live or so the stories claim. So desperate for redemption, Leon begins a perilous quest through myth and folklore. But will Leon and the Fugitive find their legendary destination, or will Leon lose his last chance for salvation? And so it's very much a quest novel through this fantasy world where people live on discs that float in space. Uh, it got published in February of this year, which was only like four months ago, but feels like a lifetime ago. Um, and yeah, I'm, I'm really proud of this book. I think if you enjoy stuff with, yeah, you know, affable, uh, not affable, if you enjoy, enjoy kind of your disgruntled protagonists who go on redemptive quests, uh, and if you like the kind of Indiana Jones trying to find this mythical destination and, and going through tombs that have all these puzzles and riddles and everything, um, I think it'll be a book that you, that you quite enjoy. Uh, so yeah, the link to that is in... It should be in the comments to that. I think it has a link to my website, which has everything in there. Um, if we don't have any other questions, I think I'll, I'll start wrapping this up. So thank you so much for having me on. Um, massive thanks to Rob as well for putting up with all the technical issues I had at the start. Um, it took us like 20 minutes to get this live stream working. So thank you so much for all of your questions uh, and for everyone watching. Uh, oh, can it show me who's watching at the moment, actually? Your viewers. Okay, cool. Yeah, no, thanks. Thanks everyone for watching. Um, I really appreciate your time and I hope that you have gotten something interesting out of this. Stay safe and keep reading. Thanks for listening to the Novel Endless Podcast. To see a full list of all of the episodes, and we're up to like 60 or 70 episodes by now, when you count all the bonus episodes as well, go to novelanalyst.com to see the full list of back episodes all of the archives, that's my author interviews, that's my book deconstructions, and a whole bunch of other good stuff there as well. That's novelanalyst.com. Thanks so much for listening. Now go and write extraordinary stories. I'll see you next time.